Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 187, Top 5 Highlights from Podcast Movement 2014. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. Boy, was Podcast Movement such an amazing event. Podcast Movement 2014, that is, and you can see more information over at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash podcastmovement if you can register for the next event. This was a fabulous event. I got to meet so many great people, and there were so many great sessions. And I want to bring to you what I think were the top five highlights from Podcast Movement 2014, including some cool technologies that I saw coming out in 2014 and uh, that were premiered here at Podcast Movement, or at least getting more exposure to podcasters here at Podcast Movement. I've got three different technologies that I think I'll keep an eye on and some other thoughts. So if you really don't care about Podcast Movement, you can skip this episode if you're not interested in whether you should attend in the future or what you can take away from this to learn for how to get the most out of any kind of conference you attend. I think this will still apply, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on Podcast Movement 2014, so please comment on the show notes for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 187. So, top five, in order of bottom to top. Number five, presenting. I got to present a session at Podcast Movement, and I love public speaking. I've been public speaking since I was 13 years old. And boy, was I so nervous back then when I was doing it. Imagine an uncomfortable teenager then put in front of an audience and sometimes put in front of an audience of little kids who pay absolutely no attention to anything you say or do. That's how I got my start in public speaking, but I really enjoy public speaking. And I got to present a session at Podcast Movement. It was called 10 Ways to Podcast from Average to Amazing. Now, if you've heard me talk many times before in the Audacity to Podcast, you might recognize that phrase, podcast from average to amazing. That's my trademark that goes along with Podcast Masterclass. And that's what this session was. It was essentially the one-month-long curriculum for Podcast Masterclass squashed down very tightly into 35 minutes of content for my presentation because I wanted to try and allow enough time for some Q&A afterward, and we also had some technical hiccups that ended up being an analog problem just before the session started. But I was so honored to see that this session was packed with standing room only. If you came to my session, thank you for coming. Thank you for the support. Thank you for sticking around. I noticed very few people left the session, and When people leave a session, that's perfectly all right with me because I know that could mean either they're just not getting what they need to out of this or they got exactly what they needed to and they want to move on to sample some of the other content going on. So I'm not offended when someone leaves a session like that. But I really did enjoy presenting and I felt like the information that I was going to share was some great dynamite information that podcasters really needed to hear. And that's why I created Podcast Masterclasses to help existing podcasters make their podcasts a whole lot better. So that was my thrust of my message in this podcast movement session 
is to help the podcasters make what they do much better, regardless of what their goals actually are, but helping them achieve those goals, whether it's just growing an audience or becoming successful, becoming an authority, making money, or just getting better at this thing as a hobby. Whatever your goals are, there's a place for you in podcasting, and I wanted to help you become an amazing podcaster and reach whatever those goals were and however you define success. This also really inspired me to look at how I present Podcast Masterclass, and I'm thinking about completely changing it up. Instead of making it the month-long intensive course that it is with one-on-one sessions, group training sessions, podcast evaluation sessions, all of that kind of stuff, I'm thinking about completely changing the way Podcast Masterclass works, still making it content-focused on helping you take your podcast from average to amazing, but doing that in a different way that may actually appeal to more podcasters out there and may fit in the budget of more podcasters out there. So if you're really interested in that, I'll be announcing more about that later on. Join my email list over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash email so you can get the inside scoop when that's ready for me to announce what's coming with Podcast Masterclass later. So that's number five, presenting. Yeah, it's on my top five list because I really enjoyed it, but it's the bottom of my top five list. Number one, I'm going to spend a lot of time on. But number four highlight from Podcast Movement 2014 was the vendors. You might not normally think of vendors as being a great thing at a conference, but at Podcast Movement, the vendors were unavoidable And they were also, most of them, very relevant to podcasters. It was great that they were in the hallway space right outside the session rooms so that you had to walk past the vendors. And that could mean that it made it very easy to engage in conversation with the vendors over time, like coming back and asking a question, asking another question, really understanding and grasping their expertise and what they're offering. So the highlights of the vendors that I saw were three in particular, Rainer, Podcast on TV, and Procast SST. Rainer, that's R-I-N-G-R dot U-S is the website, is a cool technology that I've seen other people try to do this and then give up on the project or they got involved in other projects. But it's trying to give you the power of a double ender and that high quality power but the simplicity of using a mobile device. So Rainer does not work with Skype. Rainer would replace Skype completely. The way that they're initially launching it is that Rainer will be a mobile app, right now initially launching just on iOS, but it will expand to Android, and eventually it will be a desktop app or a plugin for your browser. But the way it works is that you install this free app on your device. You, as the host, are able to send out a link to your participant. They join that link. If they already have the app installed, it opens directly in the app. If they don't have the app installed, it recommends that they install the app. So they install this free app. It connects them with you, and their audio is recorded directly on their device. Your audio is recorded directly on your device. So the great benefit of this is that you're not having to deal with internet streaming and bandwidth issues for recording quality. You are getting your actual finished recording directly from each device. And then after the recording is finished, 
that recording is sent from the devices back up to the cloud, the service that Rainer offers, and then mixed together and given to you as an MP3 file in this very high quality audio. There are some ways that I can see them improving this technology in the future, and certainly they have a roadmap of features. Like One of the big features that you'll probably be thinking about already is, great, if this is two people, are the voices separate so that I have my voice on one track and my guest's voice on the other track? They're not launching with that feature initially, but it is coming, and along with that is probably the second feature that you're thinking of, and that is... What if I have more than one guest? They'll have multi-track offerings later, probably in 2015, but that could be an awesome way to very simply get high-quality recordings from multiple people at the same time and making this double-ender a whole lot easier because it would automatically synchronize everything for you, make it much easier for your participants. I don't like that it still requires either a plugin to be installed on the desktop browser when that's eventually available or a mobile app. But mobile device microphones are getting really good. In fact, I'm pretty confident you would get a higher quality audio recording from someone using the microphone on their mobile device with voice over IP, not a telephone call that is, but voice over IP using something like Rainer. Then if they used Skype or Google Hangouts or anything like that with their computer's built-in microphone, you'd get really low quality that way. It would be really echoey. It would be piercing. It just wouldn't come through as well. You'd almost be better with a telephone call quality if you had to use an internal microphone. But Rainer is going to make this much better for you. So it will launch with completely free unlimited recording. And then when they launch their public service, you'll get a certain amount of recording each month for free, always free, and then additional recording amounts after that can be a monthly fee or you can do something like just purchase a package of minutes, kind of like credits or something, and record that way. So it's really interesting. I recommend that you check it out, ringer.us, and the link is in the show notes for this episode number 187. The second vendor I saw that was really cool was Podcast on TV. This is, as far as I can tell, it's one individual that has a great idea, and that is getting your podcast on Roku. Roku is the number one TV set-top box. And how much do people actually consume podcasts through set-top boxes is actually very low. However, I think a lot of that is because of the way we have to do it. Generally, what it's been like up until now is that if you want to consume a podcast through a set-top box, you have to get someone else's channel. Like, for example, I'm on set-top boxes through the Blueberry app. So you'd have to go get the Blueberry app and inside the Blueberry app, find my channel. That's not exactly what people would expect to do if they're going to consume content. And so what Podcast on TV does is it takes your podcast and makes a custom channel for your show in Roku so that when people are looking through all the channels that they add, they would see your channel right on there. I think this is huge because this is so much better than the way that apps on Roku have existed up until this point. And especially if you do a video show, this would be 
fabulous for you. If you just do audio, I really don't think you'll see much traction with this. Yes, you might pick up an additional one or two listeners, but the TV set-top box stats are actually quite low, like below 3%, maybe even below 1%, maybe even 0.3% for some people, if it's even something that they consume. But it's still really cool, especially if you do video. So check it out at podcastontv.com. The link is also in the show notes for this episode, number 187. The third thing that looked really interesting to me is Procast SST by Mike Tech. Now that's M-I-K-T-E-K, which really confuses the proper spelling of Mike, which by the way, it's M-I-C if you're talking about a microphone. The Procast SST is a great idea. It is a microphone, mixer, and mic stand all built into one really cool device. It has the overhead boom arm style stand to it. It sits on your desk. It has volume knobs on it and it has a digital output. It also has mini XLR input so you can add an additional microphone or some kind of other audio device. You can get some great power with this device and it's a couple hundred dollars but it's a condenser microphone. They made this thing primarily with musicians in mind, and musicians really need a condenser microphone because of the dynamics of voice and musical instruments, and a condenser microphone works better for those things. For a podcaster, condenser microphone is not necessarily the best choice because we're often recording in more noisy environments, and while you might get a good recording with a condenser microphone, Try it with a dynamic microphone and you might find that you'll get an even better recording. So it's a really interesting technology though because it's everything all in one little thing that looks really cool too. And it's somewhat portable, portable just in that it's one piece and it can fold down somewhat, but it's not designed necessarily to be a portable podcasting station. You can plug it into a computer or you can plug it into an iOS device using different converters or adapters and software. So it looks really interesting. I'm still looking at some of the information about it, but they have offered that if I would like to review one, I can. So go to the show notes for this episode number 187 and check out the link for the Procast SST by Mike Tech and let me know if it's something that you think I should review if you are actually interested in this and think I should review it. I might pick up one of these anyway to review it and see if it would be something worth testing for podcasters and then compare it with dynamic microphones and other options out there that are inexpensive, easily portable ways to get into podcasting. So those are the three vendors that I thought were really interesting at Podcast Movement 2014. Reiner, podcast on tv and procast sst there were other companies there and vendors pottertainment magazine was there Uh, their uh, authority engine was there or now business podcasting uh, was there they've got a new brand that they're working on and of course libsyn and blueberry were there and it was great to see rob walsh from libsyn and todd cochran from blueberry and the energy was just so awesome and having the vendors in the hallways was a great place Because I think it inspired more conversation between the attendees and the vendors. Whereas many times other conferences will have the vendors in a separate room detached from the conference space. So that means to get to them, you have to go across the hall. You have to go into a different room. 
anything like that can end up being more complicated when you're not having a massive vendor space. Like at New Media Expo this year, which is in combination with the National Association of Broadcasters Expo, it would not make sense to have all of the booths in the hallway just because of how many booths there will be. And I'll talk more about Animex in a moment. But this is number four, vendors. Number three highlight from Podcast Movement 2014, the keynotes. There are a lot of expectations on keynote sessions, and I do think rightly so. And sometimes it can be really hard to reach those expectations. So here are some of my thoughts on the five keynote presentations that were presented during Podcast Movement 2014. We had keynotes from Chris Brogan, Srinivas Rao, Jamie Tardy, Evo Terra, and Cliff Ravenscraft. Chris Brogan from The Owner's Mind Podcast presented a lot of stuff about podcasting as a business or as part of your business and really challenged us to treat podcasting as a business. I think that's a good challenge, but still there are the hobby podcasters out there who are just doing this for the fun. They don't want to make money with this. They don't necessarily want to be famous. They just want to have fun. They want to build a community and build relationships with people. And that's entirely all right. So some of what Chris Brogan was saying, I think might have been not as relevant to those people. And Chris did also do a lot of self-promotion in some kind of sneaky ways, uh, promoting some of his courses that he offers. And I didn't appreciate his crass metaphors that he used several times. Yeah, it made a point, but I just think there could have been a better way to do that. After Chris Brogan was Srinivas Rao from the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, and his was more of a story of the passion behind his work, kind of like a rise from failure to success. But honestly, I think that what he presented in his webinar for Podmove was actually much more helpful and entertaining than the information that he presented in his keynote. But at the same time, he brought out some interesting things that I think inspired some people. Jamie Tardy from The Eventual Millionaire tried to address the future of podcasting. I think she did bring out some good points, but there was also a collection of misinterpreted information and a lot of misunderstood information. Some of the audience members misunderstood some of the points that she was making. For example, she showed a chart that indicated Android's current and predicted saturation as compared to iOS. And the truth is that there are a lot more Android devices out there than there are iOS devices, and that may only increase. But that doesn't mean there are more Android podcast listeners. In fact, Lipson and Blueberry both agree that iOS is many factors greater in the podcast consumer space. Android users generally are not using their devices to subscribe to podcasts. And a lot of that is because Google is not helping out podcasters. Google does not have an official podcast app anymore. They had Google Listen, but that wasn't really a great app. And they've also since killed that. And there's no official podcast app store for Google. If anyone is going to make something amazing for Google, I would think that either Apple would do something amazing and release a podcast app for Android and bring all of the iTunes podcasts over there. That would be incredible. Or 
I could see Amazon making an official Amazon podcast app and having podcasts on the Amazon website since they do present a lot of free content as well as free apps for Android users over there. But Google is not a friend to podcasters. That doesn't mean that podcasters can't use Google. And I'm talking about Google as a company, not google.com. Not that you can't get a podcast app. It's just Google isn't doing anything to help podcasters. So I think some of Jamie's information that she presented was interesting and intriguing, but easily misunderstood. And she also talked about, is it really a podcast? Is that the word for what we're doing? And this is where some people get really passionate about this. And there have been some tweets back and forth about this that really it is podcast. I'm confident that term is going to stay and it's going to rise in popularity to be up there with television and radio and podcast because it is a distribution method. Don't try and mix things with internet radio and stuff like that. That just, I think, confuses the situation more. So it was some interesting stuff, though, to still think about what is the future of podcasting. And there was a panel after this as well that brought out some interesting points. Evo Terra has been in podcasting since the beginning, and he's the founder of Podiobooks.com, which takes audiobooks and turns them into podcasts and makes them available that way for free. Great concept. There have been several highly popular authors that got their start pretty much on Podiobooks.com. And Evo challenged us to look at the podcasting industry as disruptive, that it's not disruptive yet because we haven't really changed the industry we've added something new and when you look at the top podcasts in itunes yes several of them are actual radio shows available as podcasts but that's it's about half of the top 10 or top 20 podcasts in itunes are also terrestrial radio shows but several of the other shows are radio personalities that left radio and switched to podcasting, and others are still people who have never had a radio show who are hosting a podcast, and they're in the top 10, top 20, and such. So it was still, I think, some great information to consider how can we as podcasters make this space better. Privately, I asked Evo what he wished that the podcasting industry did over the last 10 years, and what he wishes that we would do in the future. And he had a really interesting point because in his talk, he brought out how YouTube is really kicking our butts in terms of popularity and such. And a big thing in the podcasting space is to own your feed. And I do think you need to own your feed because if you're using someone else's playground to build your own castle, then it's possible you could lose your entire platform If you're building in someone else's playground, and this has happened to people on YouTube before where for no reason, no warning, anything like that, Google has shut down popular YouTube channels. And then after begging and pleading, brought them back, sometimes with the subscribers, sometimes without subscribers. So it's just not a good idea to build your entire platform somewhere else. But what Evo brought up in our own personal conversation is that he wished that podcasters weren't so possessive and that we accepted the idea of actually broadcasting, being on multiple platforms that we may not necessarily own and control. Look at something like Spreaker and iHeartRadio, since those two are really related right now at least. 
you cannot have your own RSS feed. Yes, it can pull from your RSS feed, but you can't control the actual RSS feed or media files that it uses. So it doesn't contribute to your stats and all of these other things. SoundCloud also doesn't contribute to your stats. They host the media separately. But these can be great platforms for helping build your podcast and appealing to a broader audience. And if you focus on, I have to completely own my content and no one can distribute this without my permission, yes, that is a mistake. I definitely agree on that. I remember someone in one of the podcasting communities on Google Plus came on once and was really upset that other podcast directories had his show. And he completely didn't get the idea of broadcasting in the podcasting space, being in multiple platforms and how that's helpful. He wanted to be in only iTunes and he was angry that other platforms had his podcast on there without his permission because they were pulling from the iTunes API, which is perfectly allowable. And you actually agree to that when you sign up for an iTunes account and submit your podcast to them. But it was still what Evo brought out in his session was still a great challenge to us to think about how can we be disruptive? How can we make podcasting actually change the world? Which leads nicely into what Cliff Ravenscraft from Podcast Answer Man shared in his closing keynote, which was purely inspirational. It was almost like a sermon. And I think in some good ways, because what Cliff focused on was entirely the power of podcasting to change lives. Cliff did not talk about any of his own products and services. He mentioned his community, but it was just to bring out actual people and to say, here's a story from so-and-so. Here's someone that was on the verge of suicide. Here's someone that had attempted to commit suicide, and they have been encouraged, challenged, motivated by the podcast content, by the relationships they built through podcasting, and are now being an influencer to help save other people's lives. Amazing stories in this podcasting space, all from one man who decided to start a podcast. Incredibly inspirational, and I think really should be something we should consider of not just thinking about how can I make money with my podcast? How can I become famous? How can I, 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 me, 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 my, 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 now, 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 all of that stuff. Instead, think about how can I change a life today? How can I change the world for good today through my podcast? It's a radically different perspective I think you can consider, regardless of whether you're a hobbyist or a professional podcaster, and however you want to define that is up to you. But look for ways to change the world, change lives through your podcast, and it will be well worth it. So as a whole, I think the keynotes were pretty high quality and brought out some good points. Yes, there were some bumps here and there, but some great information was shared anyway. So that's number three, the keynotes. Number two highlight from Podcast Movement 2014, the breakout sessions. Thanks to the virtual ticket, I actually attended very few breakout sessions, and I'll talk more about that for number one. But the breakout sessions had some great content, and boy, it was so hard for me to not go into some of the sessions because there was such great content going on at many different times. 
some of the most buzz and most influence that I heard was around basically four different sessions. And there are pluses and minuses to all of the sessions that were there and some great presenters, great topics. But the four that kind of stood out to me from what other people were saying was the top seven ways to grow your podcast listeners and turn into leads with Tim Page. He works with lead pages, so he knows all about converting people from just leads into actual connections and relationships. Justin Crossley presented How I Drank Beer for a Living and Faked It Till I Made It. Kind of a misleading title, but he had some great stuff about branding, about establishing a name, about establishing respect with your podcast and earning swag and earning reputation, press access, and all of this stuff. Even as so far as he and his community came up with something that beer companies are regularly using in their trademarks or as icons that they think is an established standard, but it's actually Justin's own trademark. So it's a really cool story with how he influenced that and different ways that he was able to leverage his audience. Rob Sesternino from Rob Has a Podcast presented Using YouTube to Help Grow Your Podcast, a great session. I saw a lot of people talking a lot about this. It's funny that he presented this session. This was then the week after I presented a similar episode of the Audacity to Podcast about how to use YouTube with podcasting. Check that out. It's the previous episode of the Audacity to Podcast. And he shared some really valuable stuff about growing your podcast with YouTube. Then Ray Ortega, I didn't get to actually see this presentation. I wanted to, but I knew what Ray would be sharing. And I think it's very important for the podcasting space. Ray and I were even just chatting about this this morning. He shared audio post-processing for podcasts, and it covered stuff like equalization, normalization, compression, that kind of stuff. But he also spent some time talking about loudness normalization and a standard for podcasters. And this is something really cool that I think we should get excited about is having volume standards for podcasters because they're trying to work on this for television so that you're not watching a TV show and then blasted with a commercial or vice versa. You're watching a commercial and blasted with a TV show and the volume is just way off, but normalizing these things, having a standard and the terms that go along with this. So I'm really excited and digging into this. And you will hear the volume level change in future episodes of the Audacity to Podcast as I figure out my own implementation of the standard, not meaning I'm going to redefine the standard, but how I can best implement the standard in my own workflow in an easy, fast way as well. And it's involving stuff like LUFS as a measurement, the actual perceived loudness of audio, not just the peak levels. And it's not just about globally raising your audio, but it's about a whole bunch of things like the range of volume levels in your audio and what is the perceived volume of your audio between different parts. Some really great information. And I think some stuff that really needs to change the way that we as podcasters do this and that there should be a standard in this podcasting space with this, that we should make our audio at a minus 16 LUF volume standard. In case you're wondering how that would sound, that would be a little bit louder than my previous episodes, about three or four decibels louder. My previous episodes look like they've been somewhere around minus 20, maybe even minus 23 at the lowest. Uh, That is LUFS. That's a measurement of the, the kind of the average 
loudness, the overall loudness of the audio. So some great stuff. Definitely listen to a couple episodes from Ray Ortega where he gets into more detail with this with the creator of Aphonic. And it's some great information, really in-depth, some technical stuff. So you really need to listen through it and maybe listen through a couple times. Don't try and listen at double speed. You won't pick it all up. But the breakout sessions were really good. And I am really looking forward to the virtual ticket to consume a lot of these sessions, especially Tim Page's session and Ray Ortega's session and these others that I've mentioned. So that's number two, highlight from Podcast Movement 2014, the breakout sessions. And the number one highlight from Podcast Movement 2014, after number five, presenting, number four, vendors, number three, keynotes, number two, breakout sessions, number one, networking. This was the most exciting part of podcast movement, talking with other podcasters or about-to-be podcasters. I met so many amazing people that I can't spend the time right now to list all of their names, all of their podcasts that they're starting, have started, are getting back into. So many great conversations that I did not want to go to bed each night. I did not want to leave the event. It was such a great energy there with other podcasters talking about podcasting, talking about our passions, talking about our equipment, a lot of fun conversations, a lot of serious conversations, challenging each other, holding each other accountable to keep up with certain things or giving each other resources. It was a great event because of the networking. In fact, I left one of the networking events because it was too loud, and I'll mention that in a moment. And I came back to the hotel and I was tempted to just go up to my hotel room again. But I thought, no, I'd I'd really like to do some more networking and talk with some more people. So I just sent out a tweet and said, hey, who wants to get dessert at the hotel tonight? And about a dozen people showed up. It was amazing conversation every time. That's why I didn't attend very many breakout sessions. I really appreciated having the virtual ticket so that I could stay out in the hallways and talk with all of the amazing people. I tried not to attend sessions because I knew I could listen to the sessions later, but I could not get those conversations later. The relationships that I built, the people that I got to meet were so amazing that I wish I could have stayed there for a couple more days just talking with people. The networking at an event like this is so inspirational. I would say almost more inspirational than the presentations. Yes, the presentations present a lot of helpful information, but presentations are kind of like a vertical thing where it's top down, whereas the networking is more a horizontal thing. It is relating on the same level. Yes, getting to talk with top podcasters who have 20,000, 30,000, 50,000 subscribers, whatever, getting to talk to them over dinner and sharing ideas and struggles and encouraging each other, motivating each other, mentioning tools and inspiration, that kind of thing is so great, so valuable that if for no other reason alone, I think you should attend Podcast Movement 2015 for this same thing. The conversations were so inspirational that I don't think you'll want to leave either. So my top five highlights from Podcast Movement 2014. Number five, presenting. Number four, vendors. Number three, keynotes. Number two, breakout sessions. And number one, networking. Some other additional thoughts I have about Podcast Movement here. 
as a first year event, I would call podcast movement a huge success. Yes, there were things here and there that they should improve, but they're small details. I think they got the big details really well. Most of the big details, they nailed them. And definitely, if you attended Podcast Movement 2014, complete the survey that they sent you. Let them know what you think they should improve. Let them know what you liked, what you didn't like, so that they can make Podcast Movement 2015 even better. But being objective here, the House of Blues was not a good location for a party because this, as the Saturday night party, was just way too loud. And it's not completely the fault of the live music. It's just the acoustics in the room were not good for conversations. And what happens is when you get 200, 300, several hundred people in a room like that with hard floors, hard walls, hard ceilings, you're going to get a lot of bad acoustics going on. And even if they'd stopped the music at some point, we would have really have to have told everyone, just shut up for a moment, then start your conversations again and realize you don't have to yell at each other. I ended up having to leave the party early because it was just too loud. I could not hear. I I actually talked with one of the representatives of the House of Blues and they gave me earplugs for it. And that made it much more bearable, but it was also then hard to still communicate because I could hear someone directly in front of me all right, but they couldn't hear me. I'd have to yell and I didn't want to lose my voice. So that's when I went back to the hotel and went for dessert with some other friends and continued some great conversations there. So that's that's more the venue was not that great. But don't be afraid that if you go to something like that and the venue is just too noisy, send out a tweet. Offer to meet somewhere else with people and you might have even better networking and make even better connections. Big props, though, to the podcast movement organizers for providing a virtual ticket to every attendee. This means that you don't have to attend every session. You know you'll get the session audio, at least the audio later. They were also recording video, so I'm looking forward to seeing how that works out. I did record my session. I haven't listened back to it yet to see whether it's worth publishing in the feed, but I'm also thinking of reworking some of that content and making it more accessible for you. I loved that the hotel, the conference space, and the dining options were all in the same building. So even though it was hot and humid outside in Texas, we didn't have to go outside because we were all in the same space. Also, they provided buses to and from the party so that we could leave at any time and make it back to the hotel or go there, go one back and forth if we really wanted to. I do have two regrets, though, about podcast movement. One is that I did not sponsor podcast movement with my podcast reviews. I really think this would have been a great place to promote my podcast reviews and contributing to a good cause as well with podcast movement by sponsoring them and helping them with some of their expenses. And I talked with a lot of people there and was able to here and there bring up my podcast reviews. I wasn't there to promote my podcast reviews, but I'd bring it up as it was relevant if someone would ask what I do. And I regret not sponsoring the event then with my podcast reviews. So that's something if I can afford it next time, I'm going to fix. But the even bigger regret, but my even bigger regret is that when I went to podcast movement, I was a bit more of a follower than a leader. 
What I mean by that is I attended other meetups. I didn't host my own. I really regret that not hosting my own meetup with my community, even just sending out an email to all of my listeners and telling everyone who follows me, even if they're not going to the conference, to meet up with me at some venue at a certain time. That's something I'm going to change for the next conferences and events that I attend. I will be hosting meetups and I'll be sending out invitations to people on my email list with details about where we would meet up and what time, what it might cost and that kind of stuff to meet up with us because I love connecting with people and I want to be a leader in the community, not just a follower. So watch for that in the coming years. Now, you can attend Podcast Movement 2015 It's July 31st through August 2nd. This time it's at the Omni downtown in Fort Worth, Texas. I highly recommend that you go and you will not regret attending if you can make it. Hey, Mr. Daniel J. Lewis, this is Mark Deal from the U.S. Immigration Podcast. You asked for our feedback on Podcast Movement 2014, so I thought I'd let you know what I came away with. The keynotes were inspiring. And just sitting through them and seeing the, these people speak, folks that you've heard of on other podcasts and heard their shows now speaking directly to us while looking at us and getting, well, even more intimate than they do on their shows was again, inspiring. The breakout sessions were valuable and actionable. Tim Page talked about what to do with your podcast. And, you know, here's a hint. I'm not going to go into the details, but Most of us are doing it wrong. Chris Brogan spoke about the importance of engagement during his first keynote, while Lou Mangiello expanded upon this and talked about using offline interactions to increase our online engagement. I mean, it sounds like a no-brainer, but really, when you have hundreds of people talking about podcasting, talking about doing their thing online and social media presence, and he got up there and really said, hey, this is what you should be doing offline to promote your online engagement, it was it was a slap in the face, a good slap in the face. I'll say that. <laughs> and, and there was this one breakout session, uh, average to amazing. You know, I, I forget who the uh, yeah, I, I forget who spoke on that. But <laughs> essentially, it was a crash course. No, in fact, I'll say it was a capstone course on podcasting do's and don'ts that I am glad I was sitting there for. Interacting with what some may call A-listers or internet celebrities, was motivational. I mean, they're real people doing real things, just like we are. But the biggest thing that I think most of us will take away is the networking and all the impromptu engagements we had. Almost wish that the breaks between sessions were longer, but I made the rookie conference mistake of trying to fill myself up with all these great sessions when there was great things happening outside. See, on my show, I talk about the business of U.S. immigration and the impact of immigration on U.S. business. At first, I didn't think there would be a lot of people in this particular conference that could add a valuable voice to that and to my audience. I'll just say my mind was blown, it was opened, and I am in love with my fellow podcasters. I hope to have a few of them on my show soon. And to you, Daniel J. Lewis, it was great meeting you, and thank you for giving me the audacity to podcast. Without your help, There would be no microphone in front of me today. Hi, Daniel. Wayne Henderson here from Southern California. Just got back from the Podcast Movement Conference just a few days ago, and this was my favorite conference that I've ever been to. I just had so much fun. I did not want to leave. 
I can't pick just one favorite thing necessarily other than I took a lot of advice that I've heard from you and from others about going to conferences. And if you're having a good lunch with some other podcasters, having great discussions, but it's drawing close to the time for the next session, maybe blow off the session and stay with people engaging offline with others. And I had so many great meals with people, so many great conversations, and I missed quite a few sessions. And I'm thankful that the podcast movement is including the virtual ticket in everybody's purchase, so I'll be able to catch up on the ones that I missed. And again, can't really pick one favorite thing. I enjoyed the sessions. I enjoyed the layout of the whole place. It felt intimate, and the fact that everybody was a podcaster was great. But I'd say, you know, just... Hanging out with people, breakfasts, lunch, dinner, took the advice to never dine alone when there's somebody that's either inviting you or you can invite others. It's just great to hang out with people and just relax and make new connections. It was just fantastic. My head is still reeling with lots of great ideas. So go to theaudacitypodcast.com slash podcast movement and see more information about what's coming for Podcast Movement 2015. And when the registration is open, that link will take you to my affiliate to register for Podcast Movement 2015. And I'd love to see you there. Even though Podcast Movement 2014 had a strong business and entrepreneurship theme, I think that the event in 2015 will be a bit more balanced, diverse, and maybe have some other niche kind of content as well. So there will definitely be something for you to get by attending Podcast Movement 2015. I saw a lot of messages from people saying, oh, I wish I could be there. Yeah, don't say that again next year. Be there next year. If you attended Podcast Movement 2014, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. So please comment on the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 187. Also, let me know if the Procast SST looks interesting enough that you think I should review it. I have one announcement, and that is the New Media Expo dates have been announced April 13th through 16th, 2015 at the Las Vegas Convention Center and Westgate Hotel, which was formerly Las Vegas Hotel in Las Vegas. And this is a combination of New Media Expo with National Association of Broadcasters. This is amazing. So there will be a new media space and a traditional media space. You'll get to go through the exhibit floor at NAB, National Association of Broadcasters, and see amazing microphones, amazing video equipment. Yes, a lot of it will be out of our budget, but this will be a great opportunity for the podcasters in droves to flock to certain companies and be able to say, wow, this is amazing, but I really wish you had it at this price point so that we podcasters could use it. This will be an incredible event. If you could only attend one event next year, good luck figuring out which one to attend because I really am not sure which way I could recommend it. Podcast Movement 2015, New Media Expo 2015, both amazing events in 2015 both with pluses and minuses, both amazing networking opportunities, amazing learning opportunities. So I really can't say which one you should attend. The podcast awards will be at New Media Expo 2015 next year. But Podcast Movement is all for podcasters, by podcasters, for podcasters, about podcasting. So good luck trying to figure out. 
I will be at both events in 2015, and I hope you can make it to both events too. If you can only make it to one, let me know which one that is. But check out that information and the other information I shared in this episode and share your thoughts at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 187. Big thanks to Marie in NYC, Rudders Ramblings, and Steve W928 for your iTunes reviews. I really appreciate the reviews because they encourage me and they help other people find the podcast. Check out mypodcastreviews.com to learn how you can grow your own podcast with reviews and get your reviews automatically emailed to you. Mypodcastreviews.com. Please send your questions and comments for future episodes of the Audacity to Podcast to feedback at theaudacitypodcast.com or leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221 or go to the website theaudacitytopodcast.com and send a voice message right through the website. Let me know if you'd like help launching or improving your own podcast because that's what I do. And now that I've given you some of the gut and taught you some of the tools... It's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from the audacity to podcast.com. Thank you for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.